Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all of God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? I pray that you all had a wonderful week experiencing the amazing wonders of our Lord. And if you missed any of my previous shows, You can find them on my show page at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org or on Spotify, Apple, and all other podcast platforms. A little bit of housekeeping. I just want to tell everybody and remind everybody that Men's Health Month is in June. So, the Cancer Service Program of Brooklyn is offering... Cancer screenings for men. For men in Kings County age 45 and older without insurance, the CSP may be able to help with free colorectal cancer screenings for those who qualify. Contact CSP at 718-258-8708 or you can learn about it at tinyurl.com slash nycancerscreening. Men, Make sure you take care of yourself. 
we're going to continue our studies of the Minor Prophets. Today, we'll look at the book of Nahum. And his name means comforter, to console. And just like his name, the words that he gives to Judah when they feel that all has failed, it offers them comfort. It offers hope and brings peace to the people of the Lord. Now, the book of Nahum is God announcing judgment on the people of Assyria, whose capital was Nineveh. Now, where have we heard that name before? Hmm. Ah, yes. Jonah. It was the prophet Jonah who was sent to Nineveh to warn the people that if they did not repent and turn to God, he was going to destroy them. And remember, Jonah didn't want to take that trip. Because as soon as God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, Jonah boarded a ship for Tarshish, opposite direction. And he did that because he did not want to deliver that message to the people of Nineveh. He did not want the Assyrians to get the mercy that God said that he would give to them if they repented and turned back to him. So, Jonah wanted the people to be destroyed because they were very wicked and evil. Remember I told you how they would torture their enemies, torture them until they died, and then they would place their heads upon spikes so that others would know, you mess with us, this is what happens to you. But, As a good servant, even though a little rebellious in the beginning, Jonah went and preached to the people of Nineveh, and he saw the people of Nineveh repent and escape the wrath of the Lord. But look, here we are once again listening to the Lord speak a word against the people of Nineveh because of their evil deeds. It seems like the repentance that they offered up when Jonah came and preached to them was short-lived. They returned to their wicked ways, invaded Judah, and wreaked havoc on God's people. But now, see, here's a part that you have to remember. God is always in control, right? No matter what is happening to his people, good or bad, God is always in control. And that's what we have to remember. Because even when we're going through something, God is always in control of it. And here, God allowed the Assyrian army to terrorize Judah. 
Now, why would he do that? Why would he allow an army as corrupt and evil and wicked as the Assyrian army to terrorize his people? He did that because Judah was also in a state of rebellion. And the Lord wanted to show them what would happen if they continued in their ways of disobedience. So see, God has a way of showing people, you know what? I know these people over here are wicked. I know these people over here are wicked. I'm going to use this group of wicked people to get this group of wicked people in line. Everybody's wicked, but in everybody, everybody being wicked, everybody, if they did the right thing, would not have to feel the wrath, right? So, although God used the Assyrians against them, right? Nahum was brought to the Judas, the Israelites, the people of Judah, and he, he declared to them that they too would meet a dreadful fate. God would bring an end to what they were doing by using the Assyrians. Now, if you remember, let's go back. Because to someone just listening to this for the first time, I know you're probably like, what, are you, what is she talking about? God is using it. God is terrorizing his own people. God doesn't terrorize his own people. God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy. Yeah, God is a God of all those things. But let's just go back to the beginning of what the minor prophets started telling us from Hosea. Warning the people. Warning the people of Judah. Warning the people in the southern kingdom. Straighten up. God's telling you to straighten up. He sees everything you're doing. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is at hand. All the prophets continually warned the Israelites, get your act together. And as he was warning the Israelites, God was also warning the people outside, the ones that didn't worship him, the ones that were pagan and idle and doing rituals and offering up children and promiscuity all over the place. He too was telling them, get your act together because I'm coming for you too. See, and that's how people say, or when people think, Oh, well, I don't worship or I don't believe in that God because that's not the God that I put my trust in. All well and good. You could not put your trust in that God, but you need to believe that he's going to come for you regardless. He's going to come for you whether you trust in him or not. If you're doing something against what he wants to be done, You're going to catch it. And the reason why you're capable of catching it is because whether you believe in him as being the God that you want to trust, he's still God over everything. And that's what people fail to realize. 
It doesn't matter what you yourself want to go in the corner and say, well, I'm only going to worship this orange. You could worship as many oranges as you want. At the end of the day, God is still who he is. And if he's coming down and he's saying, get yourself together, he's talking to everyone. Those who profess that they believe in him and those who want to act like he doesn't exist. Doesn't matter. I'm doing, I'm controlling everything here. I'm just allowing you to run amok for right now. But I will send warning when I've had enough. And that's what he was doing with the minor prophets. Sending warning that enough is enough. So Nahum brought the warning to the Assyrians and he also brought the warning to the Israelites. Nahum's words were to predict the fall of Nineveh. And it also served as a consolation to the Israelites that the promises of God remain the same. All they needed to do was repent and turn back to him. So see, God had made them a set of promises and they knew those promises existed. But he, they also knew that those promises would only come to pass if they did their part. So Nahum going and spreading this word or giving this word to the people was for everyone to know you're doing evil, you're going to be punished. You follow what I say do, you'll reap the benefits of the promises that I gave you. Nahum brought comfort to Judah with the promise that God was in control. That he was aware of their afflictions while also warning the Assyrians that their days were numbered. He would not overlook their evil ways. So let's pick up the story in chapter one, and we're going to read from verse one to seven. The burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. God's wrath on his enemies. God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers, Basham and Camel wither, and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt and the earth Heaven heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire 
and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. Okay, Lord. All right now. Can he make it any plainer? Can Nahum make it any plainer about how God is feeling right now? He says right here, God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not acquit all and will not at all acquit the wicked. So Nahum puts it straight out there for all to hear. And we see indeed the Lord is slow to anger because he warned, he warned the Ninevites through Jonah what he would do to them if they did not change their ways. He warned the people of Israel through all of the minor prophets, look, get your act together, get your act together, look what I've done for you, remember what I've told you. And it almost, when you think about it, it almost would make you say that, you see, Jonah was right. He was right not wanting to talk to the Ninevites, right? Because they didn't, they repented for a minute, but then they didn't really follow through. But I say that in jest because we all know that when Jonah did that, he wasn't doing it because he really cared about the Ninevites. He didn't want them to be spared. He didn't want to give them an opportunity for a second chance. But let's think about this for a moment. Let's think about this. How many of you can look back at instances where mercy was given to someone and you knew in your heart that it wasn't going to last? Think about it. Someone says something and, you know, they're they're saying the story like, you know, it's the truth. But you know, they don't really mean that. And then before you know it, as soon as you turn around, it's just like you thought. Nothing had changed. And we ourselves, when that happens, we're ready to lash out and take matters into our own hands. Right? Someone wrongs you. They say they're sorry. And then they turn around and they do it again. So you're ready to get them, right? But let's think about it this way. That's what the Ninevites did to God. They were acting up. God sent them a warning. They repented. He spared them. They turn around. They do the same thing again, still terrorizing people of Israel. How many of us are walking around like many Ninevites? Professing to love the Lord, to change our ways only to revert back to being the same, the same way we were before, or even worse. So I hear everybody, I could hear you. I could hear you. You're all saying, okay, Kay, what are you saying? You don't believe that people can change? You don't believe that people could have a second chance? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, yeah, people can change. We could all change. And yes, we do from time to time slip back 
into doing things that we used to do before. Because let's face it, even if we don't slip back to doing things that we used to do before, every day we're sinning, whether we know about it consciously and we do it on purpose or we do it and we don't even realize that we've done it. I'm talking about the people who only say that they want to change to escape the consequences of the actions that's going to be taken against them. Knowing in their hearts, knowing that when they said the words, that they haven't changed at all. Right? So, time only tells whether someone has really changed or not when they said that they've changed. And that's what it shows here. Jonah had preached that message to the Ninevites years before Nahum came. Years. So the people had an opportunity to continue doing what they had said they were going to do. But for whatever reason, they decided not to. And this is something that we have to remember. Even if. This is something we have to remember, even if, how could I say this? If we say that. Okay, we know that we've done something. Let's just give this as an example. We know that we've done something to somebody. And we say, oh, we've changed. Or let's say someone has done something to us. This is a better example. Someone has done something to us. And they said, you know, they've changed so they could escape the consequences like the Ninevites did. But when they go back and they do it again, then we want to lash out at them. We have to always remember that vengeance belongs to the Lord. We can't strike out against an individual because we ourselves don't know. Even if we trust in our heart and say, oh, we know they didn't. That's not the truth. We really don't know if that person has changed or not. So let's pick this up in verse eight. But with the overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place. And darkness will pursue his enemies. What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. So here we have God saying what he's going to do to the Ninevites because of everything that's been going on. And he sees everything that's going on. This is what he's telling the people of Israel. And here when he says, Affliction will not rise up a second time. He's referring back to when the Assyrians were attacking them previously and Jonah had to go and give the message to the Assyrians, stop it. But God is letting them know, this time around, it's not going to happen again. So this is what Nahum is actually telling us also today, that we have to allow God to have his way in whatever is happening. Because as I had stated earlier, he's in control of everything, even in control of your pain. He sees it all. He's got everything planned for an appointed time. But in order for us to see him act, now here it goes again. We too 
have to make sure that we're in right standing with him. Because remember, God was allowing the affliction on the Israelites because they were disobedient. Just like in some instances, God will allow the affliction to bring you back to him. God will allow the upheaval, the chaos, the madness, the confusion going on in your life to bring you back to him. Because as we had said from the beginning of the year, it's all about his desire for alignment. Right? One thing you can trust in your life is whomever or whatever has caused you pain in the past, God sees it and will not allow it to overtake you again. Because this is the promise that he gave to Judah when we jump down to verse 12. Thus says the Lord, though they are safe and likewise many, yet this manner they will be cut down when he passes through. Right? He's telling that that he's telling the, the people of Judah, even though the people of Nineveh look like they're many, they feel like they're safe. And you know, we remember this from the other prophets too, when he was saying, Yeah, everybody's living lofty in their high places. They're going to be cut down when I pass through. And he says, though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. For now I will break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. Now, don't we just love God? Don't we just love God when you think about he knows that you're going through pain, right? He knows he's allowed this pain to come upon you. But here he is. He's telling you, don't worry about them because I'm going to get them. Don't worry about it. When I pass through, trust me, it's going to be taken care of. And although I had allowed you to be in pain, I won't do that to you anymore. I'm going to stop them from harassing you. I'm going to stop them from causing you pain and all the shackles and all the bonds or everything that they thought they had you bound with, I'm going to break you free of them. Now that's a loving God. He on one hand is telling you he's going to destroy your enemies, but yet he's also telling you, yeah, I did use them to get you back in line, but don't worry. I have this all under control because He always loves us and he always has our best interest at heart. Right? Everything God does to us, for us, or sometimes what we look like as against us, even though it's never against, it's against us in our eyes. But in his eyes, it's never against us. In his eyes, it's always because I love you so much and I'm trying to bring you back to me. It's just like when you think about your parent or you being a parent when you do things to your child and you discipline them. You're not doing it because you want to see them suffer and be in pain. You're doing it because you're trying to show them 
I'm trying to show you a better way. And if you just do as I say, you won't have to feel this discomfort. That's what God was telling the people of Judah. Because he always has our best interest at heart. Even, even when we're breaking his heart, he still loves us. And with that, it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. What Brooklyn sounds like. Ayer decía yo, no sé pa' qué nací, quizás se equivocó.
Listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op Ed. But before I go there, yep, you I know you thought I was gonna forget to say who the artists were. No. We started off our top of the hour with Making Changes by Grace, Gozo by Nico M. Awesome by Melissa Bethia, A Brighter Day by George Huff. Okay, see, I didn't forget. So now it's time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. 
And we're going to continue in the discussion of Nahum and see what God has in store for the Ninevites. We're going to pick up this story in chapter 2. Verse 2. He who scatters has come up before your face. Man the fort. Watch the road. Strengthen your flanks. Fortify your power mightily. For the Lord will restore the excellence of Jacob like the excellence of Israel. For the emptiers have emptied them out and ruined their vine branches. Right there, if you read the all of chapter 2, and I just took that part out, the Lord is outlining everything that he saw the Ninevites do to the Israelites and what he plans to do to them in return. We go to chapter 3. Woe to the Ninevites, right? And we pick up in verse 3. Woe to the bloody city. It is all full of lies and robbery. Its, its victim never departs. The noise of a whip and the noise of rattling wheels, of galloping horses, of clattering chariots, Horsemen charged with bright swords and glittering spear. There is a multitude of slain, a great number of bodies, countless corpses. They stumble over the corpses. Because of the multitude of chariots, of the seductive harlot, the mistress of sorcerers, who sells nations through her harlotries, and families through her sorcerers, behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. I will lift your shirts over your face. I will show the nations your nakedness and the kingdoms your shame. I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. It shall come to pass that all who look upon you will flee from you and say, Nineveh is laid waste. Who will bemourn her? Where shall I seek comforters for you? So, those are some powerful words that Nahum spoke about what God was going to do. And let me just remind you, okay, this whole book, of Nahum. When I read through it, I got the feeling that, yes, God was angry at the Israelites. He was angry at them for, have, for forcing his hand to let the Assyrians do what they did to them. But on the same token, he was angry at the Assyrians for doing what they did to them. I know that sounds, it sounds contradictory, but it's really not if you know how God operates. 
it's he was set he was God was saying through Nahum, he's going to set the record straight for all. He's going to set the record the record straight once and for all. Because we as humans, we don't have the capacity to set the record straight when things are done wrongly. Like if someone, and I always bring it back to us as individuals, if someone wrongs us, we don't have the capacity to write what they did wrong. We can forgive them, yes, but that still doesn't make right what they did wrong. Only God can make right what someone has done wrong. And in the interim, while he's making it right, he's also taken care of the people that committed the wrong. So it's, it's twofold. When, when God sets out to set the record straight, only he has the capacity to make the crooked road straight again to give us the beauty that was from the, make the beauty from the ashes that we're in. Restoring everything that might have been taken from us. And that's what he was telling the people of Judah. Yeah, I see how they literally ran through you guys, destroyed you completely. But take heed because you're my people, because when you turn back to me because I've heard your cries, because I see everything happening, I'm going to restore you. You're going to be back. You're going to be brought back to the luster that you had when you were the house of Jacob. But on the same token, while I'm restoring you, those of you who inflicted all this pain and destruction, you too are going to pay. So when you think about just situations in your life and this book of Nahum to me is the closest to truly understanding when you don't understand what you're going through and you're asking God, well, why is this happening? Or why is this going on? Well, why are you allowing or how could you let them do? Or did you just see what they did? And yeah. I saw it. Yeah, I could have stopped it, but I didn't. And the reason why I didn't is because I was, I was using it to straighten out your life. Because had I stepped in and intervened any sooner, you too would have reverted back to the way that you were. See, everybody has that propensity to revert back to the way that they were. So just like the Ninevites, they repented when Jonah warned them about what God was going to do to them, and they went back to their old ways, the Israelites were doing the same thing. And although God loved them, he still wanted them to straighten up. But him warning them through the other prophets was not enough because they weren't listening. They were still running around with the other pagans and 
having other idols and worshiping here and doing dirty deeds against one another and taking people's land and swindling people out of their inheritances and coveting other people's wives. And they were still doing all the things he had told them not to do. So in that sense, he was like, hmm, okay. You still want to act up over here? And you're definitely acting up over here. So I'm going to take you who was definitely acting up over here because that's your nature. I'm going to allow you to just overtake these people over here. Because as much as I save them from you, they still keep doing whatever it is they want to do because they think, oh, we got it good. God's not going to let anything happen to us. And in our own lives, we have to sometimes look and see, look back and try to understand, okay, God, what is it that I didn't exactly do that's allowing all this chaos on me right now? And it doesn't have to be something so, okay, let me, let me just say this too. It's not like you're doing something so detrimental, like, oh, you know, what could I even use? I don't know. It could be anything. Because with God, the slightest little thing that we think is no big deal is a big deal to him. So I can't even put out there, it doesn't have to be this. Because when it comes to God, everything is a this. Right? When you're dealing with a holy God, anything short of holy falls into the carry the category of a this. So I can't even give an example to say it it something like whatever it could be. Only you know what it is. Only man puts degrees of what's bad and what's not bad and what's a little bit acceptable and what's not acceptable or oh it was just a little white lie, but oh it really didn't cause that much harm or oh, they really didn't mean to say that, or oh, you're being too sensitive when it comes to that, or oh, no, only we want to try to make excuses to why something is what it is. With God, it's, if it's not holy, it's everything else. Clear and simple. So only you know what you're not doing that God would see in your life as being unholy. So if he's allowing adversity to come on you, if he's allowing chaos, confusion, what did you do? What can you do to make it right? But also remember, those that's inflicting you with the chaos, with the confusion, trust. He's got something in store for them too. So don't think they're getting away with it scot-free. Don't think that whatever they're doing is just going to be like, oh, they just got away. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He sees all and he controls all and he handles all. So not only is he taking care of you, he's also taking care of them. Because in his mind, I want everything to be here on this level where I'm at. Not down there where you guys want to squabble about what level is this and what level is that. No, everything has to meet my standard. And when it doesn't meet my standard, there's no, your standard doesn't matter. If it's not mine, it doesn't matter. So that's what I want you all to remember. And as I've often mentioned, God is a loving God. 
Yes, he is a loving God. So when I say those things, I know some people are like, oh, but God loves and he's all merciful. So I don't know what she's talking about. He wouldn't just allow things. To, mm-hmm. Yes, he would, because he's a God of justice. And sometimes when you do justice or when you want to see justice, you have to take certain measures. And not everybody's going to be happy with justice. We see this just in our own judicial system. Not everybody's happy with justice. But while he's bringing justice upon those who he deems deserves it, he's also loving those who he feels are doing the right thing. So it's all a part of his character. One doesn't cancel out the other. He's still God of all. He's God of all. Those who are just and those who are unjust. And God is both loving and just. With that, I end up Ed. The word of the month is temerity. Excessive confidence or boldness, audacity. And the promise for the week is, we're going to take it from Nahum 1-7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. So with that, I say, everyone have a wonderful week, right? Just take this book that we talked about and just think about it and apply some of, just apply some of the reading of the verses that I was saying to you, just apply it to your own life and say, "Mm, am I going through this chaos because God is trying to get my attention with something? And let's put it this way too. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're doing something bad. See, a lot of people always think that when you have adversity coming on you, that you're doing something bad. It's not about you doing something bad all the time. And like I said, only you know what you're doing. I can't tell you what you're doing. I can only handle what I'm doing. That's enough. But what I will say to you is sometimes when he's causing that adversity or that confusion in your life, he's doing it to get your attention. He needs your attention for something because it might be, like I said, he could have told you something from before and you're still not doing it. It could have been just as some, something just as simple as go work in that pantry two hours on a Saturday. And you're like, oh, I don't have time. There probably was a reason why he wanted you to work in that pantry because there could have been somebody that came to that pantry that you needed to talk to, that you needed to assist. So see, a lot of times people think that when there's chaos and adversity in their life, that, oh, they did, they committed a sin. Like when the guy, when Jesus healed the the blind, the blind man. And the first thing that the Pharisees asked is who sinned him or his parents? And Jesus is like, nobody sinned. It had nothing to do with sin. It had to do with the fact that I needed to give this man back his sight to prove a point to you guys. Oops, sorry. To prove a point to you guys that I am who I am. And sometimes God will allow that chaos and adversity to come into your life to get your attention to show you that he is who he is. And this is what he wants. And if this is what he's given you to do, then this is what you should do. Right? Like I always said that my girlfriend says, my girlfriend in California, she always says, never let God not catch you doing the last thing he told you to do. That's her, fi- that's her words to everything. 
make sure you're doing the last thing he told you to do. Don't start running ahead doing something, this, that, and the other. Make sure you're doing the last thing he told you to do. And that's what some of us have to look back and see, what is the last thing he told me to do? Maybe if I did that, I wouldn't be so all over the place because that one little thing would bring everything in order. So I'm going to stop talking because it's like I'm going back into another talk show right now, right? So like I said, the word of the month is temerity, excessive confidence or boldness, promise for the week, Nahum 1-7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust him. Have a blessed rest of your week. I enjoy this beautiful weather we're about to get. I think spring is finally sprung. And until God brings us together again next week, peace. Don't worry about me. I'm gonna be alright. Got GOD all over my life. Don't worry where I've been, what I did, how I came up. Everything was a sin until it changed. Don't worry about me. I'm gonna be alright. Got GOD. Test my patience. No matter what, I'm not breaking. I'm not basic. Prevail. I got up every time I failed, I failed But God's got me to the end Replace heavy laws with a win uh, My life's great, get your straight All this hate, test your faith My life's great, get your straight All this hate, test your faith If God is for me, who can be against me?